Well, good morning, Faith family. It's great to see you again. Thank you for having me back uh, again this week. And you recall last week we looked at a narrative section of Luke's gospel that was unique to, uh, to Luke. And today we're going to be looking at a parable that is uh, unique to Luke as well. And it's a parable about persistence. And we'll look at the text in just a moment. But if you think about persistence, there are very few examples of persistence that are any better than children. Children are persistent when there's something that they want. I remember several years ago, our children decided that they wanted a dog. And they begged, and they begged, and they promised, oh, we'll feed the dog, we'll walk the dog, we'll do the hygienic things that the dogs need, if you know what I mean. And so every time a dog would be around, they'd give me that look. Well, so eventually I gave in and we got a, a guinea pig. Well, the guinea pig, it was a fine, fine pet, you know, but it uh, didn't quite meet the bill. But one time, the, the guinea pig's hair started falling out, which is okay for a person, but not for a guinea pig. So they took the, uh, the guinea pig to the veterinarian, and on the bulletin board in the veterinarian's office, there was a picture of this beautiful golden retriever, not purebred, but a golden retriever, free house broken, all the shots, and so they came home with this, this picture of this dog, and they pleaded and begged, and yes, I gave in. So we had Holly for, for eight years, and I will not tell you whether or whether they did not keep their promises about caring for the dog. They did not. So persistence is, is good in many situations, but it's especially good when it comes to our life of prayer. And so let's turn uh, in our Bibles, our devices, to Luke chapter 18, and I'll read verses 1 to 8. This is God's holy and inspired word. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. There was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him all day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Father in heaven, we pray that uh, you would help us to take encouragement from these words of our Savior. As we think about things that are uh, concerning us and uh, things that we are praying about, Lord, May your spirit speak to us according to your purpose, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as a preacher, you always like it when the text says the reason that it's there. So the first verse tells us why this parable is here. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. 
So this is about uh, persistence in prayer and encouragement in prayer. And what we're going to proceed this morning is we're going to be, I'm going to be giving you an overview of the story, and then we'll be looking at three reasons why you should persist in prayer and not give up. So first of all, the story. We meet the characters. The first person we meet is a character for sure. It's the judge. This really isn't the guy you want to argue your traffic ticket in front of, unless you have a large bribe in your pocket, of course. We're told that he neither feared God nor respected man. And sometimes this parable is referred to as a parable of the unjust judge for that reason. He didn't like God, and he didn't like people. He didn't have a sympathetic bone in his body. Uh, and when it says that he didn't fear God, he had no moral compass whatsoever. No scruples about taking a bribe or refusing to hear a case from which he could not benefit. That's the judge. Then we meet uh, a widow. And as soon as we hear the word widow, in its first century context, we have to understand that widows were in a very difficult position. As one commentator said, a widow in the first century uh, is almost synonymous with the word helplessness. But keep in mind that she wasn't necessarily old because people would get married very young in those days. So without a husband, and especially anyone else, she had no protection. Women had no legal standing or legal rights for that matter. And so she had to be very desperate to appear before a judge all by herself. There was no legal aid society back then. And also as a widow, she had no protection excuse me, no means of provision, no means of provision. There were no social safety nets back then who could provide for her needs. Now, of course, the Bible teaches that God's people should be providing for the needs of the widows, but that's not in the picture here. We have a picture of someone who is helpless, someone who didn't have the means to bribe the judge to accomplish her desire. What was her request? She wanted justice against her adversary. Perhaps someone defrauded her. Maybe someone came around and promised he would repay her driveway but required a very large down payment and then never came back. There are all kinds of scams out there to um, take money from people these days as there were in those days. But we don't know what the exact issue was. Uh, we don't know who the adversary was. We're, told that, we're not told that she wants vengeance by any means. That's not the point. The point of the parable is her persistence. So what was the judge's response? Did he say, certainly I can see your need. I will answer it right away. No. No, no, no. He wanted nothing to do with her. And in language in verse 3, it says he kept coming to her. Day after day, he'd come to court and there she was. For that judge, it was Groundhog Day. She kept hoping that the next day would be different, but no, when court opened, there she was pleading her case once again. He didn't want to be bothered, but bother him, she did. And she started getting into his head. And so we know because the text, Jesus tells us what the judge is thinking. Verse 4. For a while he refused, but afterward he said, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. 
He had no mercy on her. Oh, maybe, maybe it was that the people who had come had observed his lack of compassion. He was noticing that they were… No, nothing like that. The only reason that he settled her case was so he would be rid of her. He granted her request. Jesus says this is a model of persistence. But let's think now about our persistence in prayer. That's what Jesus is talking about. We're going to look at three reasons that you should keep praying and not lose heart. Three things that we can take from this. First of all, is that God is not like that judge. That's the point that Jesus makes, isn't it? He says, hear what the unrighteous judge says, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? It's an argument from the lesser to the greater. This is a, a bad judge, and he gives the widow the request, how much more will God, the Father, take care of your needs? He is righteous, unlike the judge. His standard is absolute justice. He will never compromise. He cannot be bribed. He will always do what's right. He is not indifferent to you. He is not indifferent to your needs. And he is not reluctant to answer your prayers. But maybe it's good for a moment to, to pause and ask ourselves the question, why, why do you think that God is reluctant to answer your prayers? Maybe you're not sure if your cause is just. We really have to examine our motives. James warned his readers, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. One way you can be sure that your prayer is a just prayer is that it's according to his word. Uh, claim, claim a promise. Accompany your prayer. So maybe that's one of the reasons you might not uh, be persistent in your prayers. Why might you also think that God is reluctant to answer your prayers? Well, because maybe he hasn't answered yet. Maybe you're getting tired of praying. But maybe God's answer for you today is not yet. You're convinced that your prayer is just. You're convinced that your cause is righteous. Just don't give up. Not yet. And one of the areas in which we, I believe, are apt to be persistent, but sometimes we might give up, is praying for the salvation of someone we know and love, someone in the family. Uh, we know how difficult that can be. My wife was here at the uh, early service but has been rescued from my second sermon by uh, uh, Pastor Brown's uh, wife, Pat, but uh, Barb is a very special person, and uh, she was raised in very difficult circumstances. Uh, she and her sister were removed from their home when they were children because of abuse that was happening in the home. So my wife was raised by one of her aunts, and the other aunt raised Barb's sister. And Barb's uh, aunt was a very dear, is she still alive, was a very kind uh, and loving person, but uh, her husband died of cancer at a very young age, and uh, so Barb's aunt was now uh, single again. She was a widow. But along came this, this man named Sonny, and he was a long-haul truck driver for, the, uh, um, for what was Sperry, New Holland at the time, now, now Case, New Holland. And he was the son of a Mennonite preacher, and he didn't want to hear anything about the gospel. But we were concerned that he was, he did marry uh, Barb's aunt, 
And so whenever we had an opportunity, we, we'd pray to, to speak, but whenever we'd try to open our mouths about the gospel, he'd say, I don't want to hear any of that. I heard all that as a son of a Mennonite preacher. And so when you get to that situation, you know that sometimes always the best thing to do is to pray. Pray, pray, pray. And so we prayed for Sonny for years. And it was one Christmas day, we were at their families for Christmas dinner, and Sonny was sitting across from me with his cigarette and his cup of coffee. And he said to me, he said, Tim, I have something I need to tell you. I said, okay, shoot. He said, this is my first Christmas with Jesus in my heart. I said, it was so amazing, I almost let it go. I said, it's too good to be true. I said, what did you say? And now tears streaming down his cheek. This is my first Christmas with Jesus in my heart. And I said, Sonny, I said, what happened? Well, I knew what happened, but I didn't know what the circumstances were. So he said, you know, recently I've had to, had to have an MRI. So I was in that tube, and I suddenly had a picture of myself in my own coffin. And I knew that I wasn't ready. And then all the verses that I'd learned as the son of a Mennonite preacher came rushing back to me, and I have trusted Christ now as my Savior. I wanted to jump for joy. Um, but persistence, persistence in prayer, uh, even when you might think it is an impossible situation. Robert Murray McShane said, Christ frequently gives us the desires of our heart, though not at the peculiar time we desired, but a better time. But maybe you're reluctant to, to pray, to be persistent in prayer, because he said no to you before. But what do we call a child whose parents give him everything he wants? We call him spoiled, don't we? Yes, we do. Well, your heavenly father is not going to spoil you. He's not going to give you things that are not good for you or not right for you. And so, therefore, he has to say no from time to time. He said no to the Apostle Paul. Do you remember Paul had that thorn in the flesh, that physical malady? We don't know what it really is, what it was. But Paul said, you know, remove this from me. Remove this from me, please. God said no. God said no. God said no. Paul learned. We read in 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. But God even said no to his son, didn't he? In the Garden of Gethsemane. If it's possible, let this cup pass for me. The answer? No. If it's possible, let this cup pass for me. No. If it's possible, let this cup pass for me. No. But Jesus also prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. But it's because God said no to his son that he could say yes to you and me. It's because God said no to his son in the garden that all the promises of God to you and me are yes and amen. And sometimes we may go through a, a daisy time with God. He loves me, he loves me not. And isn't that often based on our performance, on, on our situation? But God has loved you with an everlasting love. Uh, several years ago at our church in Upper Darby, uh, 
during Vacation Bible School, I had the opportunity and the privilege of counseling some of the children. And a little girl made a profession of faith one day, and she looked up at me and she said, Pastor Tim, when did God first love me? And I said, he loved you before you were born. He loved before the world was created. He loved you with an everlasting love. So why should you keep praying and not lose heart? Because God is not like that judge. Secondly, you should keep praying and not lose heart because you're not like the widow. And what I mean by that is the widow was a stranger, maybe even seen as an antagonist to, to the judge. But you're in a different relationship with God. Jesus says, will not God give justice to his elect? Who are the elect? The elect are his, his chosen ones, those whom he has loved from before the foundation of the world. Now, this is not a sermon on election, but a sermon on persistence in prayer, but I think it's important to know why Jesus uses that word in this context, because it includes so much of God's faithfulness and mercy and grace to you and to me. It reminds us that our relationship with God is, is solely by His grace. When God chose the nation of Israel, He chose them not because they were a great nation or more numerous, but He says, I loved you because I loved you. That's what God says to you as well. God is now choosing people and calling people uh, from every nation and every tribe. And Peter writes, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And this relationship comes to us only through Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if you recall, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So he didn't choose you because you were so good looking or because you were so smart. He didn't choose us because we were going to be so useful to his kingdom. He chose us purely by his mercy and grace. He says, I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will remain so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. So you're now into the settled relationship in Jesus Christ by adoption. And the promises to you, there are many, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will, he, how will he not also together with him freely give us all things? So there's the argument from the greater to the lesser. He's given you his son. What more can he give to you? How will he withhold from you that which is good for you? Well, he won't. And Jesus promises, until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. And you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives, and one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Try that out on your kids. They ask you for pizza, and you give them a rock. That's not going to go over too well. No. But what if your child asks for a snake or a serpent? When it comes to our prayer lives, you remember that you as a parent will withhold that which is harmful to your children and provide only that which is good for them. 
Your Father in heaven is going to be doing the same thing for you. But as we noted, persistence doesn't guarantee that the answer is going to be what you want. So I, so I searched my mind and my life for no's to prayer requests. Uh, one that came to my mind was uh, back in the day when I entered college, my dream was to be a tuba virtuoso, like Dr. G here. And uh, so I, I started as a, a performance major, but then I tried a couple of other doors that uh, were going to take me in the desired direction. One, I auditioned for the Curtis Institute uh, in Philadelphia, which was, was one of the premier conservatories in the country, but appealed to me. It was free of charge. Uh, but uh, I came in second. Uh, the young man who won the audition was already studying tuba with the instructor there. That door closed. Next, I auditioned for the uh, United States Marine Band, the President's Own, in Washington, D.C. And I passed the audition. By the way, did you know that the United States Marine Band uh, acceptance, people who are accepted are the only people in the military who don't have to go through basic training? Yeah, that appealed to me, for sure. But I did not, I passed that audition, but I did not get the position. The person who got the position was a roommate of somebody who was already in the band. Do I think it was politics? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. But behind it was the sovereign purpose of God saying no and closing those doors. This wasn't the direction. I didn't understand at the time. But it was no and no. He was making it clear to me that he had something else in mind. And as time went by, I came to discover that that was a call into, into pastoral, pastoral ministry. And as that time drew near, uh, the Lord had allowed me to have some wonderful uh, musical experiences in the city, but I knew that uh, I was going to have to change direction. And around that time, Barb and I were at our home in Havertown, and the phone rang, and Barb said, uh, it's for you. So I, she passed me the phone, no cell phones back then, but it was a cordless phone anyway. It wasn't, it wasn't connected to a cord. And I picked up the phone, and this voice on the other end said, is this Tim Whitmer? I said, yes. He said, well, this is Mason Jones, personnel manager of the Philadelphia Orchestra. Can you come and play with us tonight? I put the phone to my chest, and I said, Barb, can I play with the Philadelphia Orchestra tonight? <laughs> and she said, of course. I said, of course. So I went down to the Academy of Music, and uh, we played also Sprock's Arthustra, better known as the uh, movie music for uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. Did that without rehearsal. I was scared to death, but I couldn't believe that I was playing with the Philadelphia Orchestra. And afterward, uh, Mr. Jones came up and said, uh, Tim, he said, uh, we're playing the same concert at Carnegie Hall on, uh, on Tuesday night. Are you able to go with us if the tuba player doesn't get better? I said, yeah, sure, I can go. And I, I have to confess to you that I will tell you that I maybe I didn't pray for his recovery. <laughs> I didn't. I confess that sin before you today. But he got better. I didn't get to go. But, and so I never played with the Philadelphia Orchestra before and never played with them since. But what I can tell you is I saw that as a gift from my Heavenly Father saying, you know, I know I've called you to go in a different direction with your life, 
But I'd like you to have this as a gift. I say, thank you, Lord. And so Robert Murray McShane said, God will either give you what you ask or something far better. So why should you keep on praying and not lose heart? Because God is not like the judge. Because you are not like the widow. You are God's child. And thirdly, because the days in which we live are difficult and hard. Jesus had just at the end of uh, Luke chapter 17 talked about the difficulties of, uh, of the last days, of how hard it was going to be to, uh, to walk with him uh, during those times. And uh, you'll notice that I'd like to, to, I don't know what your eschatological position is, but I believe that since the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, we are in the last days. I also don't know if you've noticed, but these are difficult days. These are hard days. These are days the likes of which things we're seeing that I have not seen in my lifetime. And when you see these things, Jesus says, pray. Does the persecution that you experience in your work or at school, does that trouble you? Jesus says, pray. As you look at our society and look at the uh, the collapse of, of morals around us. You see that injustice, Jesus says, pray. Whatever the burdens, whatever keeps you struggling, Jesus says, pray. And you'll notice that Jesus says, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Now, speedily is something that um, we have to look in its biblical context. We're required to have patience. Remember in the book of Revelation, you have the prayer of the martyrs crying out to the Lord. O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Well, they were given white robes and they were told to wait. Wait. And God's economy of time is different than ours for sure. Peter again writes, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. So when he says speedily and hastily, we have to remember that God's timing is always right. But Jesus concludes this parable with these words, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? There are dark times, challenging times. But by his grace, he knows there will be people, there will be his people who believe in him and trust in him because of his plan. Uh, and we also know that there will be people who demonstrate this kind of persistent prayer. And my prayer for you today is that you would be encouraged. The thing that's been troubling you for a long time, something you may have given up on, uh, don't give up. Because God is not like that judge. He's your loving Heavenly Father. Because you are not like that widow. You are a child of God, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And don't give up because every day is a trial and a test. But you can know for sure that He's going to be with you and help you because He's your loving Heavenly Father. Let's pray. 
Almighty God, we are so grateful to you today for the encouragement to, to come to you in, in prayer. And uh, Father, I thank you that you have uh, called us into a relationship with yourself through faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I, I pray that if there's anyone here who has not yet uh, looked to you as a Savior and Lord, that they would do so, that they would take advantage of the prayers that are printed in the bulletin, Father. Or if they're being so prompted, it's not by me or not by circumstances, but by your Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, for promising to guide us, direct us, to provide for us, and to answer our prayers. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.